0: Come through here right here all right stop by your eyes closed. Uh,
1: yes, would you please just show me the surprise? Uh, how
0: much longer? Just, just a second keep your eyes closed.
1: Now honey, is this surprise really for me or for the baby? you know you've been buying a lot of stuff for the baby lately and we really well, don't
0: I guess I guess you could say it's kind of for the baby I mean I could uh, I could warm the milk up in it. <gasps>
1: Did you buy me the Atlanta Air Convection Oven? Hey, oh, hey, honey! Keep your eyes closed. Oh, I can't wait to see my new oven. Do you know me or what?
0: Yeah, I know you. And I need you to know that what you're about to see is not exactly the Atlanta Air Convention Oven thingy.
1: No, not Atlanta. Atlanta. Wait, Todd, what is it?
0: Although it does practically the same thing.
1: What is it already? Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready.
0: All right, Nan? Open mind. Open mind.
1: What is it? All
0: right, all right, here we go. Open your eyes. I know. It's too great for words, huh? Look, it has two side burners, and who do you know with a grill that has 36,000 BTU output per hour, 611 inches of cooking area, three, count them, three stainless steel burners, a dual-purpose thermometer, and first aid kit. This is not for weekend barbecuers.
1: Dear, you are a weekend barbecuer.
0: Uh, I'm not anymore.
1: Todd, what were you thinking? I wasn't
0: thinking. I was feeling, and the feeling was love.
1: Well, feel this.
0: Ow, ow, ow. What was that for?
1: You really have to ask? Todd, we just had a talk about our finances, and I thought we both agreed that we wouldn't make any irrational purchases for at least a year.
0: Irrational? Well, you can just go ahead and call me irrational And If wanting to bring home a basic appliance to feed, my fa- to feed my child makes me irrational, you can just put on my tombstone. Here he lies, a man who loved his family so much it made him irrational. You can just lock me up and throw away the key, because I'm Mr. Irrationability.
1: Mr. Irrationability. Uh-huh. I'm not even touching that one. Todd, can you just come here and sit down for a minute? Now, how much did this basic appliance take out of our child's college fund. Oh, no, that's just me now. Mr. Ping Golf Club. Oh, of course,
0: you just had to go there. Look, maybe you're a little too hormonal to be discussing this right now, so let's just talk about this later.
1: Hormonal? Hormonal? Oh, you're you're a brave one, aren't you? Todd, how much did that crematorium over there cost, and where did you get the money?
0: I will admit, at first, this was an extravagant, or to use your vernacular, irrational purchase. But it was on sale, and they gave me... Oh, you're going to love this. Close your eyes. Not happening. Okay. Because I bought the Grillmaster Millennium, they give me a 10% discount on the Meat of the Month Club. New month, new meat. Check it out. Open it. In February, it's elk.
1: $90 a month? Uh,
0: Hello, that's before the drastic markdown.
1: You are truly amazing. Thank you. Now, for the last time, and for all that is right, how much did that thing cost, and what tree did you have to climb to rob the fruit to sell in order to pay for that iron glob of testosterone? Okay,
0: okay, don't knock testosterone. It can be very useful. <laughs> Look, honey, just, just sit down. Sit down. Sit down. It was six...
1: Two words for you. Five bucks. Walmart.
0: Okay, first of all, that's three words. Is it four? Five bucks,
1: Walmart. Todd, I wish you could have everything in the world, It's
0: not just for me. Okay, a little.
1: I wish we could buy whatever we wanted, you know, like an Advanta air convection oven. Now, that would be a rational purchase, but we can't. You don't do the checkbook, honey, and we just, we don't have enough room for surprises like this. And even if we did, do we really need something like that thing?
0: Hmm. I guess not.
1: Can't we just be happy with what we have?
0: With what we have? Who, who uses charcoal grills anymore? Do you know how embarrassing it is to stand in line at a grocery store with a bag full of briquettes? Not lava rocks. I'm talking charcoal briquettes. I feel like a hobo.
1: Well, we'll be a little family of hobos if you keep spending like this.
0: <sighs> okay, I'll take it back.
1: Thank you. You'll be glad you did, I promise.
0: No cash refunds. No cash... Nan, I can't take it. I can't. God wants me to have it. I give up. Nan, I promise I'll never buy anything that's great ever again. But there is one bit of consolation for this whole thing. Because I joined the Meat of the Month Club, I got $5 off a lifetime supply of barbecue sauce. That's good, right? Man...
2: All right. It's good to be with you this morning. and Pastor Andy. I want to say welcome. It's good to have you in worship today. We are in the middle of a series called Margin. We are looking at uh, margin. This is week three. This is, uh, we have in front of us talking about moral margin. We talked about time margin last week. And just a reminder for you, margin is that space... Before the limit in the first week. We all agree that we have certain limits and when we, we we squeeze the margin and we get closer to our limits Our stress goes up our frustrations go up It becomes a difficult place to live at when you have no margin in fact it, not only is there a lot of stress. There's a really big mess you guys remember the mess Yeah When you live without margin, it ends up making life really messy. And so we're taking the time. It's important for us to look at and examine how do we live in today's culture, in today's world, with a little bit more margin. And specifically today, we're talking about money. We're talking about money. Margin. The reason that it's specifically important for us to talk about money margin is because of the sheer volume and number of people who are living their lives, living week to week, day to day, month to month, check to check, without any financial margin. There's no money margin. What happens is that money comes in, hopefully we're employed, we're working, we have a, a source where money comes in, and then we start living and doing life, and in the process of doing and living life, money seems to get spent really, really fast. Before the end of the month is even here, before sometimes the midpoint of the month is here, a large quantity, if not all of our money is spoken for or all that has come in, has already gone back out. And we are left to look at our lives and we're like, where did it all go? How did it go so fast? I knew it came in. I know I'm working. That much I know. But where does the money go that I'm earning? How does it disappear so very Fast. I call it the money mystery. There's so many people in our world, you might be one of them, that is living in, in, in today's world under this money mystery of not knowing how can money come in and go out so very fast. Where does the money go? And it's an issue. It's a problem. that We, li- we don't want to live that way. Right, We get to a point in our lives where we, we genuinely want to buy something nice for our spouse or we want to have an impact for our kids and leave a legacy and we want to be putting money aside for the future and we, we, we want to even be generous sometimes. And when we have those opportunities and have those moments, there's no money there for us to do it. And so we rob ourselves of the experience of blessing others and experiencing a blessed life. And we look and we're like, what in the world? What's the issue here? And at first we say it's an income issue. At first we say it's an income issue. We say, if only I made more, then I would have more margin. If if I made more, then then I would have more room and more space that would allow me to do these things that I genuinely want to do that I think would be great. If only I had more income. And then you meet Joe Schmo down the street and you realize Joe Schmo has a six-figure salary, is making substantially more than you are, and yet he has the exact same problems. That, 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 that as our income goes up, what so often happens is that as the incomes goes up, so do our spending habits, so does our lifestyle and what we have as our expectations for our lifestyle. You see, you can meet and and be with people. I can't tell you the number of people that I have personally sat down with who make more money than I do, and yet they have these money margin issues. Income is not the issue. And income won't solve the issue. Then we say, well, fine, if it's not income, it's people. People are the problem. People are the issue. My spouse likes to buy a grill. My spouse doesn't know how to spend money. My spouse doesn't know how to save money. Or my kids, my kids. Oh my gosh, in today's world, I gotta have my kid who's who's in ten thousand different teams and sports and activities, and you know, he's on the traveling baseball team and 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 you know, I gotta buy the uniforms and he's got three different uniforms and, and I gotta send him to spring camp and he's gotta be down in Florida for the week, so he's got spring ball training and he's only in the third grade. <laughs> Seriously. And we wonder where the money goes. And we blame our kids, and we blame our spouse, and we blame people. Listen to me, listen to me. I, I can tell you, again, I'm going to draw a lot of my own life out of this experience because I have the privilege of living life with a lot of financial margin. And we're going to get to how how that happened at the, at the end. But... I can tell you that me and my wife, uh, we have very different habits around money. She's a spender, I'm a saver. And when I do spend, I like to spend money on things that I can use and get more longevity out of. She likes to spend money on, like, experiences and going out to dinner and that type of stuff, right? Well, we're just different in how we spend money. And, and when she saves, she's different in how she saves, She's like just put it in a bank account, let it sit there and don't ever touch it. I need to know the security that it's there and I don't care what percentage it makes. It just that's why I call it savings. It's there. And I'm like, "No, no, no, honey. When we save, we got to make that money work for us. We got to invest that money. We got to put less in our immediate savings, put more in savings over here so it's invested in the market." We even save different. We spend different. We save different, and we approach the whole thing in the in the beginning differently. And yet, and yet, I actually asked my wife earlier this week. I said, "Honey, have we ever fought over money?" She looked at me and said, uh, "No, I don't. I don't think so. Why? You looking for a fight?" <laughs> We've never fought over money. I can tell you, for those of you who are trapped in this, in this marginless financial woe, you can live with margin and with freedom from the financial pressures that come with living without margin. Your relationships will be better. You'll have less stress in life. My wife and I, we've never fought over money. And it's because we know it's not an income problem. It's not a people problem. What's underlying this issue and what me and my wife have gotten in sync on, what we are in agreement on, is how we manage our money. We might spend it different. We might, we might save it different. But how we manage our money, there we are in sync and in tune with the way that the Scriptures Lay out and offer an alternative life on how to manage monies. The Bible has a lot to say about how you manage your money. In fact... Jesus himself talks so frequently about money. He talks about money so much so. It's such a big part of our culture and our world. It's part of our reality. Jesus knew that. He talked about money all the time. He talked about money more than he talked about heaven. Seriously. Jesus talked about how you manage money more than, than talking about heaven and eternity itself. And I think it's because he knew that if you, get, if you get to understand what happens when you manage your money, you will be led into eternity. Let me show you. Let's go into the Scriptures. If you've got your Bible, you've got your apps, you want to pull out your phone, go to Luke 16. Otherwise, I'll read it to you. You can listen to it here. This is Jesus talking to his followers, his disciples. If you're a Christian, you might have read this before. If you're a non-Christian, there's some good wisdom in this book, so you can hear it too. This is Luke 16. Jesus told this story to his disciples, his followers. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. One day a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. Uh Uh-oh. So the, man- the employer, the manager, called him in and said to his manager, the employer called his manager in and said to him, what's this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you're going to be fired. The manager thought to himself, now what? My boss is going to fire me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches. I'm too proud to beg. I know. I know how to ensure that I'll have plenty of friends who'll give me a home when I'm fired. So the manager invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, how much do you owe him? The man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of oil. So the manager told him, take the bill quickly, change it to 400 gallons. And how much do you owe my employer? He asked the next man. I owe him a thousand bushels of wheat, was the reply. Here. The manager said, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. Now at this point in time, you and I, as we're listening to Jesus speak, we're like, what the heck? Right? What in the world's going on here? Jesus is telling us a story about this manager who, who who's about to get fired, didn't manage things well, and now he's cutting people's debt up? What, what's going on, Jesus? This is what Jesus says next. The rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. And it's true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than the children of the light. The people of this world know how to manage money better, smarter, more wisely, more shrewdly than God's own people. That's what he just said. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then, when your earthly possessions are gone, they'll welcome you to an eternal home. If you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large things. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. If you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth... Who will trust you with the true riches of heaven itself? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? And listen to this, listen to this. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and Money. You cannot serve both God and money. If you look at the Greek of what that, that word money it it's, it translates to mammon or stuff. You cannot serve both God and stuff. And what Jesus is doing is he's drawing a, a juxtaposition, he's, he's holding up these two as, as opposites, saying, Look, 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 look. You live in a world that is telling you, in relation to your finances, to chase after stuff. I mean, I mean we talked just the other week. We live in a world that says more, more. You remember that? Right? You live in a world that says, be more, fit more into your schedule, spend more, buy more, own more, spend more. You live in a culture, in a world that says more, 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 less margin, spend more, buy more, own more. And Jesus is looking at this and saying, oh my goodness. There's another way to live. There's a better way to live. Proverbs talks about that. Proverbs talks about how it is better to live according to God's purposes and plans, specifically around resources, than to live a life of debt. It's better to live God's way than according to the temptations and the pressures of the world that are telling you to spend more. I saw a magazine earlier about two weeks ago. In fact, it was here at church, and our staff um, was looking at it. And part of it was because I was so excited because I said, this is the quintessential image of what the world tells us. This is exactly what the world says. And it said in big, bold letters at the top, it said, see it, love it, buy it, with periods. Boom, done, game over. See it, love it, buy it. And that's the message of the world. See it, love it, buy it. I was on a date night with my wife the other night, and we were walking through one of our local towns that many of you, I won't tell you which one, though some of you will we'll figure it out. We were walking through one of our, our local towns. Many of you live there. I used to live there. And as I was walking down, I passed a bench, and there was a bench. And the bench said on the it had a quote, burned into the bench. And the bench said, enough is just a little bit more. And I stopped dead in my tracks. My wife's like, hold my hand. She's talking to me. And, you know, and she's like, kind of, what's going on? And I just was mesmerized by this bench. It's on Main Street in one of our local area towns. Enough is just a little bit more. You see, if you are living life with no financial margin right now, It's because you have been bombarded and held captive to the message of our world, which says spend more, buy more, own more, manage your finances according to what you feel, and you end up with a big grill that you don't really need. And Jesus comes along and says, whoa, I got good news for you. There's a different way to live. There's another way to live. When you live my way, when you live the way that I hold out in front of you, when you live the way that God is saying, this is the the best way, this is the better way to live, you will experience financial not only freedom, but you will experience margin, flexibility, space, room to breathe. When you manage resources according to the world, you will be succumbing over and over again to marginless money management. If you take the time, though, to take Jesus up on his offer and take seriously serving God with your finances, it will impact not only your life, but the lives of those around you. Matthew six thirty-three says... You know, where where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And we just, read, we just read here in the Scriptures that God gives us money and resources to see how we're going to manage it because it's going to forecast whether or not how much He is going to entrust into our care in heaven itself. I mean, money is not the true riches. When we get to heaven, we will have a chance and an opportunity to experience true riches, true value. And God says, look, I'm going to give you a chance and an opportunity to manage and learn how to manage your resources and finances so that when when the day comes, when heaven comes, I'm going to pour into your life even more than you could think, dream, or imagine. Your money management is an opportunity to make a witness in this world and prepare yourself for the values and riches yet to come. If you're living right now without any financial money margin, I want you to hear loud and clear today. God wants to rescue you from that and offer you an alternative of serving God with your money. When you do that, I guarantee you, you will experience financial margin. If you manage God's money with his priorities, he, he will take care of you. He will create the margin that you so long for in your finances. What happens is this. I've got ten singles here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I've got ten singles. You and I, we live in a world that says buy more, spend more, and start with yourself. So when money comes in, when money's given to you, when money comes in, you look at what you've been given. You're like, not too bad, I got ten bucks up here. And when I look at my life, I'm going to take the first of my I'm going to take the first six. I'm going to take the first six. That's that's reasonable. I, you know, the first six: one, two, One, two, three, four, five, six. And I'm going to live off the first six. I'm going to live off the first. I'm going to spend off the first six. I'm going to live off the first six. I'm going to have. Fun off that, you know, this is, you know, you got your house, you got your car, you got your grocery bill, you know, you got, you know, your kids, and maybe even a vacation, right? And so I'm going to live off of the first six. Well, then, the government comes along, and you're like, shoot, I forgot about the government. And let's be honest, the government takes somewhere in the neighborhood of three, And that's actually not necessarily a bad thing. You need to remember, the government in and of itself is a good, godly thing that provides for us. It protects us. It helps manage the darkness. That's what government is for. It is to keep the darkness at bay. And so, you know, providing and and as a community, we acknowledge the importance that it is good and right to pay our taxes. Jesus would say, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, right? Yeah. So the next three go to the government. They go to Uncle Sam. And all of a sudden, we're like, well, man, I started with ten, down to one, like pretty fast. Wow, that went really fast. And and somehow, out of this one, I got to like, you know, I got to leave a legacy for my kids. I want to make an impact on my children. Uh, I got some goals around, you know, I'd love to give, maybe. I'd like to give some more. You know, there's some things that I really care about. It'd be really great to, you know, give to that. And I got some debt. I have debt, okay. Yeah, I should probably, ooh, that's looking like a really thin dollar bill all of a sudden. It's got to cover giving. It's got to cover debt. It's got to cover my kids and legacy and, and financial goals that I have. Who can break a single? Right? This is what we do. And all of a sudden, this single is supposed to get stretched really far. And a couple pennies go here and a couple pennies go there. And let's be honest, we all end up throwing a couple pennies in the ringing when the guy's out in front of the store. And we consider that our giving. Because that's all we have left is a couple pennies. Jesus says, no, 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 no. Look, there's a better way to do this. There is a better way that's going to provide to you more margin to experience the blessings rather than trying to squeeze it all in here and there. There's a different way to go about doing this. When you live like that, you're going to have tension and frustration. Jesus says, look at, look at it like this. Here's a basic, basic formula. First off, if you're not uh, living by percentage, live by percentage. That's why I'm using this illustration. Okay, we got $10. First off the bat, you know what? We should give. We should give away. We should bless others and make an impact in this world, and we should give generously, kindly, and that, that is. it feels good to give. You ever given? Like, it feels good, doesn't it? Like, really good. I look forward to giving. I don't know about you, I get jazzed about it. I mean, there's a reason we celebrate radical generosity here at church. It's good to give and to see the joy and the satisfaction written on the faces of the kids or the adults that you're making an impact on. The Bible says right up front, start by giving. And it suggests 10% as a bottom floor. Just one out of the 10 one out of the ten, the originally, that one out of the ten, that ten percent was supposed to pay for the temple tax. So just to make things running in God's people to keep the temple up to snuff, you gave ten percent to the temple so that God's priests could continue to preach and teach and God's sacrifices could so that God could be present in the community, you gave ten percent. That's not even like charitable giving. That's just ten percent to keep, keep the lights on. And Jesus says, look, this is a good thing. This is a good thing. Start there. After that, financial goals. Financial goals. You know, the things, the impact that you want to have on your kids, the financial goals that you have around your your, your future. It's important to invest in what lays in front of you. It is important to invest in your future. God is invested in your future and wants to do incredible things in your future. And one of the ways that he chooses to invest is by inviting you to financially invest in your own future. So set some money aside. Set one aside. Set one of the singles aside for, for your future. Government. Now here's what's so cool. If you do the first two, did you know the government actually like won't take three, but it'll only take two? You get rewarded for doing the first two. That's how cool our government is. If you do the giving and you do the goal-saving stuff, the government says, "Yeah, we can you got your game. you got your game on, man. I'll only take two. You can keep the other one." So two, go to the government. Now all of a sudden, I'm looking at my resources. I'm looking at my life, and I'm saying all I have left is debt or the financial obligations that I have, And I've got a lot more. To deal with, look at look at all that. I, I've still got money here to pay down debt, and and the Bible says better is to live without debt. So if I get rid of my debt, then I just get to live off of that which I have. Then I have plenty here. I got one, two, three, four, five, six. I can live off that. I can be satisfied living with six, having established and prioritized God's way of managing money, I've got a lot of breathing room and a lot of margin. I've got savings. I've been generous already. And I still have resources left over. You see, when you manage money God's way, it will reframe the way that you look at your living standard and your lifestyle and it will invite you to really live with margin built in. One last word for, for those of you who already have margin. I want to speak really brief to those of you who have margin. For those of you who have margin already and are living life with savings, with some generosity built in, I want to extend the invitation to you to continue to make your margin meaningful. Oftentimes we take our margin and it builds up and it's there and we don't make it work for the kingdom. We don't make it work for those around us. We don't, we just build up big barns as the Bible describes. And I want to invite you to make that margin truly have an impact. Make margin in your margin. The way that me and my wife have chosen to do this is that we give our 10% right away to the church. But then we've set aside an additional 10%. Look, God has given us an ad- 6 to live off of. We looked at this and we've said, we don't need sex. Like, it'd be nice to live on six. Like, it'd be cool. You know, I could do that. I could get a new grill. I don't own a grill yet. I'm waiting for tax return day before I can get a grill. But I can I can actually give, give, I can take this extra that I have, and we've chosen to give it away. We've chosen to actually, uh, the way that me and my wife do this is that we, uh, set aside 3% for beyond the church. We do 3% to parachurch organizations, good church places, where like I'm jazzed to give to them. I'm excited to give to them. I don't have any worries about like, oh, I wish I could give, but I just can't. No, I, I, it's there. It's built in. I got margin in my margin. And so we give to those. We give 2% to spontaneous giving. So if somebody something happens, something comes up, and I'm like, yeah, I want to give to that. I want to be about that. And so we do that. And then me and my wife, we've chosen to do... Uh, Something in the Old Testament called the year of Jubilee. We take another 5% and we put it in a fund. Every seven years in the Old Testament, uh, this is, margin is so cool. God has taken care of his people through margin from the beginning. In the Old Testament, every seven years, there would be abundance because you had taken your margin and set it aside for so long that you'd throw a celebration and that all the debts would be erased a big party would happen, and, it would, and the money would be given away. And so me and my wife have made the decision and commitment in our merits to take an additional 5%, put it in a fund, and every seven years, we just go and give it away somewhere. We, we just give it away to something meaningful, something powerful, whether it's to church. You know, I'm excited to be able to give for the future of Christ Church. We just bought a whole bunch of land out there. I am jazzed because I know I have the financial margin there to make meaning, out of my margin that I've set aside with me and my wife. And so I want to invite you, if you have margin right now, to consider how to increase your margin, or even more importantly, make your margin matter. Think about your kids. Think about your grandkids. Think about legacy and think about ministry. Last thing I want to say, and then I'll be done. When you do this, when you live this way, this is so countercultural. That when people look at you, they will be shocked and amazed. And it will be your witness in the world. You don't, have, you don't argue with your wife about money? No. You don't have stress? No. You can give like that? Yeah. It's great. I love it. You could too. And it becomes a chance for you and I to make a witness in the world to say, we manage our money God's way. It's one of the best things we've ever done. I'm going to pray that over you. I'm going to invite you to consider that and think on that more for those of you who are in need of margin, those who already have margin. Let me pray over you to close. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of margin. We thank you for the gift of promise that you you extend over us, that you would provide for us in our finances, that you would care for us. And if we choose to truly trust you with our resources, that you would indeed give us opportunity to make an impact in this world. We ask and pray that we would indeed um, fight against the culture that says spend more, buy more, own more, and instead choose to serve you with our finances and our resources. I pray that you would indeed make margin in the lives of those gathered here and for those who already experience margin. Help them see, understand, and learn how to leverage that margin for you and your kingdom to make a true, deep impact, a radical impact. We pray this all through Christ. Amen.